0: بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم rahim Alhamdulillah رب العالمين Wa والسلام على رسول الله وعلى wa ala وسلم تسليما wa إلى يوم الدين wa بعد اللهم لا علم لنا إلا ما علمتنا إنك أنت ala الحكيم اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا ala بما علمتنا وزدنا علما وعملا يا كريم ala 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 وَحْلُ مِنْ لِسَانِي <قَوْلِي> All praises belong to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and we seek His forgiveness and we seek His guidance. And we seek refuge in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from the evil of our souls and the adverse consequences of our deeds. Whomsoever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala decrees guidance upon, then none can misguide him. And whomsoever Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala decrees misguidance upon, then none can guide him. And peace and salutations be upon the final messenger, Muhammad ibn Abdullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. I bear witness that there is no one worthy of worship besides one Allah and that Muhammad وسلم, is his messenger. Uh, my dear brothers and sisters in Islam, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. MashaAllah. Barakallahu feekum everybody for your attendance. Um, obviously there is um, a slight delay in the transmission. Um... And thus, I've been waiting for your responses. Barakallahu Fikum for responding to my salam. Uh, and that further gives me uh, confidence that I am clearly audible. Walillahi uh, um, The nature of technology is that. Um, it's not supposed to have a mind of its own, but uh, it does end up having a mind of its own. So for example, um, as I introd uh, this particular talk, I did get some messages saying that uh, there are microphone issues, but alhamdulillah, um, each and every one of you have heard me. Walillah uh, alhamd uh, Brothers and sisters in Islam, welcome to our second episode. Um or second part rather, third episode because our first episode was an introduction and then after that we had part one and today is uh, is part two. So welcome to uh, part two uh, and this third episode in our study of provisions for the hereafter um, or the abridged summarized version. Uh, of the book, Provisions for the Hereafter, a book by Imam Ibn Qayyim al Jawziyah Rahmatullahi Alayh, and uh, this book that was summarized by um, Sheikh Muhammad Ibn Abdul Wahhab, uh, Rahimahullah. Uh, Last week, we um, tapped into the introduction, Alhamdulillah, and uh, we heard a little bit um, from the summarized introduction, and we began um, discussing the different parts of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala's creation, um, and how Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala has given a certain precedence or rank or benefit. Uh, to parts of his creation over others. And the reason why we we delved into this discussion uh, is because uh, Imam Ibn Al-Qayyim, rahimahullah, uh, began his introduction or based his introduction upon uh, an amazing ayah in the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, an ayah in Surah Al-Qasas, which is um, ayah number 68, um, in Surah number 28. And this is the ayah in which Uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chooses who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives rank to. And nobody has uh, a say in uh, that which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does. Alhamdulillah, we we discussed... um, the fact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created uh, the skies and made them seven skies and how he gave a special rank to the highest sky. And we spoke about uh, the different angels that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created and how rank has been given to three angels, uh, uh, Jibreel salam and Mikail salam and uh, Israfil salam. Uh, uh, And um, we also discussed how these three angels have been uh, given this rank and precedence and mention over the others. Uh, And with this, if we look at the three, we see that an even greater precedence has been given to Jibreel uh, a.s. And then we spoke... Uh, about, alhamdulillah, also the fact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created the different heavens, and how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave uh, Al-Firdaus, uh, or the highest heaven, uh, a rank far greater than the other heavens. Even though they are all heavens, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave some specifics to uh, Al-Firdaus, the highest uh, paradise which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, did not give to uh, the other uh, heavens, inshallah, we want to uh, continue uh, this particular discussion and mature uh, this discussion. And um, as we uh, or before we do that, let us have um, a reading of the introduction. If uh, my dear brother Abdul Mateen, uh, today's class head, um, is available and ready, if you could please read for us uh, the introduction again, um, the introduction or the summarized introduction uh, from the book Provisions for. Insha'Allah, let's listen to the introduction so we can refresh our memories and then Inshallah we will continue uh, with some of the teachings of uh, Imam uh, Ibn Al-Qayyim Rahmatullahi alayh, uh, from his main book Zad uh, pertaining to what we hear in the reading insha'Allah. Please go ahead, Akhi Al-Kareem Abdul-Mateen. Okay, uh, Barakallahu Fikum Akhi kareem Jazakum Khairan uh, for that reading. Masha'Allah, uh, Abdul-Mateen has... Um, been very highly motivated, alhamdulillah, and has read for us the entire uh, introduction, alhamdulillah. So, barakallahu fikum. And in fact, uh, the reading is in its place because, inshallah, uh, the points covered um, uh, in this particular reading um, are the points that, inshallah, we will traverse through uh, during my explanation. Jazakumullah khairan, Abdul Mateen, if you could please uh, mute your microphone, that would be great. Jazakumullah khairan. Okay, so, brothers and sisters, um, uh, Last week, the last point of discussion was the difference between um, a Nabi and a Rasul. And the reason why we we, we discussed this is because we discussed how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created mankind. And from mankind, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chose to give a special rank and give uh, a special precedence to uh, the the, the Anbiya alayhim as was-salam. The Umbiya alayhi musala tu salam and then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chose from the Ambiyya alayhi musala to salam messengers. And um, as we see from the teachings of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, Allah subhanahu wa taala gave us one hundred and twenty-four thousand uh, prophets, and from them, Allah subhanahu wa taala chose three hundred and thirteen. So we have a group that Allah created, known as mankind. And from this group, Allah gave rank to a specific group known as the Ambiya. And from this group, Allah gave an even more special rank to the messengers, to the messengers, those messengers that were three hundred and thirteen in number. Allah subhanahu. Ta'ala says uh, in Surah Al-Ahzab, uh, then oh, 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 um, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us in Surah Al-Ahzab ayah number 7, and Surah Al-Shura ayah number 13, that out of these 313 messengers, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave an even greater and more special rank to 5 of the messengers out of 313. Remember we're talking about how Allah creates what He wants subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives a rank to whoever or whatever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wishes to give rank to. And nobody has a say in the matter. Right? So even though we have these 313 who are known as the messengers, do we have a more special group than the 313? From the 313? And the answer is yes. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us who they are in uh, ayah number 7 in surah al-Ahzab and uh, ayah number 13 in surah al-Shura. In surah al-Ahzab Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَإِذْ أَخَذْنَا مِنَ النَّبِيِّينَ مِيثَاقَهُمْ وَمِنْكَ وَمِنْ نُوحٍ وَإِبْرَهِيمَ وَمُوسَى وَعِيسَ بْنِ مَرْيَمَ right? So take note of the names of these messengers that Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala has cited and then in surah al shura ayah number 13 Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala says min ma nuh wa ilayka wa ma Ibrahim wa musa aqimu wa isa an so Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala in these ayat mentions nuh alayhi salam and he mentions uh, musa alayhi salam and he mentions Isa alayhi salam, and he mentions Ibrahim alayhi salam, and he mentions Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa These are five uh, special mentions that we find in these two ayat. And the scholars, Rahmatullahi teach us that these five are mentioned because Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala has chosen them from the 313 and given them a special rank and special status and gave them the title of Ulul Azmi Minar Rusul. The messengers of absolute resolve. The messengers of absolute resolve. Right? They faced extreme difficulty and they were patient through it and were diligent in. Um, uh, serving the message of Islam and following the command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in propagating this message to the masses, in doing what they were supposed to do. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala cites these five. Now someone might say, but Shaykh, how come you delayed Ibrahim alayhi salam uh, to the point just before Muhammad sallallahu alayhi Wasallam? Didn't Ibrahim alayhi salam come before uh, Musa, and the answer to that is yes, he did. And remember, we discussed this the other day when we uh, spoke about all the prophets going back to um, Ibrahim alayhi salam via his two sons. Meaning, the prophets after Ibrahim alayhi salam go back, go back to, uh, uh, to Ibrahim alayhi salam via his two sons. The one son is known as uh, Ismail alayhi salam, and the other son is known as uh, Ishaq. So this is from the barakah of Ibrahim, that, Allah, that he, he was so good Ibrahim السلام, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made him the father of the prophets, right? So he definitely did come before Musa السلام, but how is it that he came before Musa but I delayed his mention uh, till after Isa alayhi salam. Now the reason why I delayed his mention towards, uh, uh, towards after Isa alayhi salam is for a reason. And that reason is, yes, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created or, uh, the prophets. And from the prophets he chose the messengers. And from the messengers, as you've heard, He's chose the, prof- the messengers of absolute resolve. These five. And from these five, Allah chose two. From these five, and gave them a higher rank than the other five, and that was Ibrahim alayhi salam and Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, and these two were titled Khalilullah, right? They were titled Khalilullah, that they 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 they, they are the the closest friends of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. Uh, quote and coat. Khalilullah, and the scholars say khulla or this concept of of of, of being a Khalil is the concept of your heart having no love except for Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. That the entire heart. Only loves Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala and is filled with the love for Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala that your remembrance, uh, you know, uh, the the remembrance or the remembrances that you experience uh, behind the waking of every day and the sleeping of every night is related to Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. And we know that Ibrahim Alayhi Salam was tested with his son Ismail. For 90 years, the, scholar, uh, the, uh, the scholars of Tafsir say he asked Allah for a child, and Allah gave him this boy when he was 90 years of age. 90 years of age. And then we, 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 we know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then uh, commanded Ibrahim alayhi salam to send this young boy with his mother to the barren land, the barren valley, which is Mecca. Right? There was nothing in Mecca, no Kaaba, no Zamzam, no greenery, no population, no city. Send them and leave them in the middle of nowhere. A son that you wanted for so long, now send him and leave him in the middle of nowhere. Let's see who you are true to, Ya Ibrahim. Not that Allah didn't know. Allah is most knowledgeable. Right? But this is known as Ilm al where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala creates a circumstance so that uh, things become manifest. It's not that Allah is creating the circumstance because Allah doesn't know what will happen and Allah wants to see what will happen. As some misguided sects say, this is incorrect. Allah knows everything. Allah knows what was and Allah knows what is and Allah knows what will be and Allah knows what will not be and Allah knows how everything will be and Allah knows uh, even those things which are not to be, if they happen to be, then how they will be, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows as well. Allahu Akbar. This is the knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So no one can claim that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes certain things happen, so that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can see, whether or, or come to know whether uh, we are true believers, and so on and so forth. Right, so it's not that Allah Subhanahu wa Taala tested Ibrahim to go and, leave, uh, to, and commanded him to leave his child in a barren land, so that Allah could see where the allegiance of Ibrahim was. Allah Subhanahu wa Taala already knew where the allegiance of Ibrahim alayhi salam was. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created a situation to make manifest to each and every one of us where the allegiance of Ibrahim was. And there's other wisdoms behind uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's commands. Uh, For example, us learning the concept of patience and taking uh, pride in the fact that people before us went through greater tests with regards to their religion, and they passed those tests. So we can as well. Right? So Allah tested Ibrahim salam with his son, not once but twice, because then later on in life, Allah commanded him to put a knife to the throat of Ismail alayhi salam. Right? So, uh, what became manifest to us all is that the heart of Ibrahim a.s. was filled with this tremendous love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and thus Allah titled him Khalil. And then we have Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam who was also given the title of Khalil. Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the most beloved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Just as a footnote, my dear brothers and sisters, uh, somebody, you know, somebody may say, what is the evidence regarding the fact that even those things which are not meant to be, if they happen to be, then how they will be? uh, What's the evidence that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows this? And in answer to your question, the evidence is that uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has told us in the Qur'an that once once a person passes away, they will never come back to life. And on the day of Qiyamah, Allah tells us that they will beg Allah to send them back and that they will become better people. And they will do that which they left. And they will listen to the message that they left. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, No, Allah says, if we were to send you back, you will go back to that which you were upon. So Allah in this ayah tells us that Allah knows that no one's going to go back, but if the, if that which Allah said will not happen, happens to happen, then how the things will be if they happen? Allah Subhanahu wa Taala knows this as well, Allahu Akbar. This is the vastness, this is the depth of the knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And all of Qadr and all the decrees and divine will and predestination is set upon the foundation of the ilm is set upon the foundation of this divine knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also. For example, we have in the sunnah an authentic narration where where Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, if there was to be a prophet after me, it would have been Umar right so there's uh, عنه, there's no prophet that's going to come after rasulullah sallallahu but if there was then how this is circumstance and situation would be allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows this thus allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed to his uh, messenger وسلم, and his messenger taught us this. So we must understand this brothers and sisters. And whilst we're on this point and this is a footnote to the discussion, but nonetheless an important one, especially for our brothers and sisters in the da'wah, and you may be asked this question, a lot of the time when you do work in, in propagating Islam, even if you know, you, you, you're not at the level of knowledge that you, you should be at, or you haven't done any formal education, or informal education, when people see you working in the da'wah and they have problems, they come to you for advice, and a lot of people have this issue with understanding divine will, predestination, uh, and, and, and so on and so forth. And the reality is that uh, they need uh, what they uh, the reason why many people have difficulty in understanding divine will and predestination is because they have not understood that uh, the destination has been written on the preserved tablet based on the divine knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Everything that happens, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala decreed 50,000 years before the creations of the heavens and the earth. As is established in the authentic sunnah, right? 50,000 years before Allah created the heavens and the earth. And these decrees that were established were established based on the divine knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Divine knowledge, and that divine knowledge is based on the explanation that I shared with you. That Allah knows what was, and Allah knows what is, and Allah knows what will be, and Allah knows how everything will be. And even those things that are not meant to be, then how they will be, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows as well. Right? I'm repeating it so we fathom this, so we understand this. Right? Um, you know, Sometimes people ask that, why should I make dua? If everything is decreed, why should I make dua? It's going to happen anyway, right? The reality is uh, that Rasulullah wasallam said that du'a can change destination. Now somebody will say, well, how can it change destination when everything was written 50,000 years before the earth was created, before creation was created, before the heavens and the earth were created? How is this possible? It was written already. So how is the du'a going to change that? Well, if you know that, that you know predestination and divine will was written based on the divine knowledge of Allah, then you will understand that Allah decreed that you will be in a situation, and Allah decreed that you will make dua because Allah knew that you would make dua, and Allah decreed that He would answer your dua, and as a result of your dua, your destination would have been changed, and based on, on the knowledge of Allah, all this was inscribed and prescribed on the preserved tablet. This is the reality. And that's how the Qadr was written. So the Qadr was written based on the divine knowledge of Allah. Because Allah knows what will happen before it happens. You must remember the knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not specific to time, is not specific to to place. Uh, The knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not have the concept of past tense, future tense, present tense, and so on and so forth. Allah created time. This concept of past, future and present and so on and so forth is a concept not foreign to you and me. The creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You know, think about it this way. For example, you watch a documentary. You've watched the entire documentary. You've seen everything that will happen. And then you sit with somebody who didn't watch it. And this person doesn't know what will happen. And then... Because you know what will happen, before things happen, you start telling them, wait, this is going to happen. Wait, that is not going to happen. And so on, you you know, it's called the spoilers. You start spoiling it for them, right? That's what happens. And and the person might say, "That's subhanallah, you've watched it. Be quiet, let me watch it in peace, right? We're talking about halal documentary, by the way, not documentaries that make us waste time, right? So how is it possible that you are able, you are able to tell your friend, or your partner, what will happen before it? Before they see it happening, because what they are about to see, you have already seen. Does that make sense, my dear brothers and sisters? Right. So, uh, obviously, I'm just trying to give you an example that brings matters closer to closer to your mind. Um, the life that you and I are yet to see, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala has seen already. This is what you must understand. In any case. In any case, uh, this is a footnote to the discussion. We're discussing how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives precedence and rank. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave precedence and rank to the Ulul Azmi min al-Rusul, the Prophets of Absolute Resolution. And He gave them this rank or a rank Above the rank given to the messengers of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And from these five, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave a rank and precedence to two Ibrahim alayhi salam and Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And they were known as the Khalil of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we've explained what Khalil means and we've given an example from the life of Ibrahim alayhi salam in terms of how his heart was filled with the love of Allah and everything he did for Allah and even his children was for the sake of Allah. It wasn't for the sake. Of name, it wasn't for the sake of fame, it wasn't for the sake of being recognized in society because we know that you know, when we have children, especially when we have boys, then that is considered praiseworthy uh, in many a society. No, it was for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and that is why when Allah tested him with his son, he answered the call of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And even you know, during Eid, when we announced the takbir, Allahu Akbar. Allahu Akbar La ilaha illallah Allahu Akbar Allahu Akbar wa lillahi alhamd right we know this takbir we do it uh, during both eids right? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, الْعِدَّةَ اللَّهَ عَلَى مَا هَدَاكُمْ وَلَعَلَّكُمْ تَشْكُرُونَ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us about uh, our practice after Ramadan, and Ramadan is not so long away. May Allah uh, grant us life to witness yet another Ramadan, and may Allah inspire us to witness Laylatul Qadr, and may Allah inspire us to be forgiven, uh, and, and from the forgiven, and, and to make us from those freed from the hellfire. And Ya Al Alamin. So, uh, when we, uh, uh, you know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us in this ayah that, العدتة, that you complete fasting the month, هداكم, and you announce the takbir, which happens on the day of Eid, before the Eid prayer, because of the guidance which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala showered upon us, تشكرون, and perhaps, and so that you will be from the thankful, you will be from the the thankful. Now, brothers and sisters, uh, this takbir, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, La ilaha illallahu allahu, allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Walillahi Alhamd. This takbir is from the takbir of Ibrahim alayhi salam. And this was the takbir that he announced when he was um, uh, you know, preparing himself to follow the command of Allah and put the knife on the neck of his beloved son, Allahu Akbar. Right? So, this is what he was doing and 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 uh, the scholars of tafsir say Allah gave Ibrahim Ishaq 10 years after Allah gave Ibrahim Ismail alayhi right there was 10 years between them Allah knows best this is what uh, some of the scholars of tafsir say so they say Ibrahim had Ismail when he was 90 years of age and Ishaq السلام, uh, uh, Ishaq when uh, Ibrahim alayhi was 100 years of age so why did Ibrahim announce this takbir? He was fighting the whispers of shaitan. He was fighting the whispers of his nafs, of his self. That's what he was doing. Because the self was saying, don't do it. How can you do it? The shaitan was saying, don't do it. How can you do it? Right? And this is why we pelt the jamarat during hajj. Right? This is resembling Ibrahim. And he's pelting of the shayateen, right, who were trying to swerve him off obedience. And then as you were sharpening his knife, can you imagine how big the whispers were, right? Uh, can you imagine how big the whispers were now you are sharpening the knife, your child is laying and you are sharpening the knife on the stone and he can see you sharpening this knife and you are a father. Can you imagine? Can you imagine what thoughts must be going through your mind? Can you imagine Shaytan attacking you from all angles at that point to swerve you, right? To swerve you, to stop you being from to stop you uh, getting that title Khalilullah to stop you getting the title Khalilullah. And Ibrahim announces, Allahu Akbar, Allah is greater, greater than my desires, greater than my son, greater than the whispers of Shaytan, greater than this world, greater than this life. Allahu Akbar, He says it again, La ilaha Allahu, Allahu Akbar, There is no one worthy of worship, besides one Allah, He is greater, He is greater than my son, He is greater than this knife, He is greater than me, He is greater than my desires, He is greater, than everything that I'm doing. He's greater, Allah is greater, Allahu Akbar. Allah is greater, I am a Muslim, a person who has submitted to the will of Allah. This is the will of Allah. Allah knows and I do not know. And whatever Allah does, He does good. And Allah is all wise with the circumstance that Allah has put me in. He's fighting his nafs. It wasn't that Ibrahim was an angel. Ibrahim was a prophet of Allah. He was a human being like you and me. He had a heart, he had emotions. He had a mind, he had feelings, right? He was a human being. So he's fighting this, he's reminding himself, Allahu Akbar, wa lillahi alhamd, wa all praises belong to Allah, all praises belong to Allah, this son Allah gave me, and for Allah is what He gives, as is for Allah what He takes, everything belongs to Allah, at least Allah gave me, at least I had this time with my child, Allah answered my dua, wa lillahi all praises belong to Allah, the best of praises belong to Allah this is this the the barakah of Ibrahim and this is Ibrahim alayhi salam announcing a a a a, a dhikr Right, A remembrance of Allah, helping him remain focused on the task, helping him look after his Iman, and not just Iman, helping him look after the concept of him having a heart that is filled only with the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And nothing else will take him away from Allah, not even the son which he as a human being loved to have, begged Allah to have, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave him. Allahu Akbar right so he deserved the title of khalil thus allah raised in rank ibrahim alayhi salam Uh, and Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and gave these two prophets a precedence over the rest of the other Anbiya alayhimu sallatu and gave them the title of Khalil. And from these two, Allah raised in rank one of the two, one of the two. And he was Muhammad ibn Abdullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the greatest man to have walked the face of this earth. The man who never wrote a biography, but hundreds and countless of biographies were written about him. The man who came with Tawheed, he came and by the will of allah took an entire peninsula and removed them from the darkness of idolatry and the shackles of shirk and placed them upon the podium of excellence the podium of tawheed and the podium of intending allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone muhammad sallallahu الله عليه وسلم may allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us neighbors to him in jannah Ameen. ya alamin wallahu ma yasha'u wa yakhtar ma kana al Again, I remind you all, my dear brothers and sisters, the ayah that Ibn Al-Qayyim has based his introduction upon, Indeed, it is Allah who creates what He wants. And indeed, it is Allah who gives a precedence, who gives a rank, who gives honor, who gives status, who gives a position to who He wants from His creation. And nobody has a say in that matter. Nobody has a say in the matter. Indeed, this is the sign of the complete lordship of Allah, the complete oneness of Allah, and that indeed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the only one worthy of worship. So my brothers and sisters, Allah has created the Anbiya alayhimu salatu was salam. And He, he rose uh, in, uh, you know, to different levels and different stations, parts from the Anbiya, of, uh, of, uh, parts from uh, His Anbiya uh, over other parts. And from them, He, he rose uh, parts from those who were raised over other parts. And then uh, uh, take this along to the fact uh, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala you know, chose the children of Ismail. When we come off the podium and, 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 and platform of discussing uh, the prophets of Allah, and the messengers of Allah, and the messengers of absolute resolution, then let's go to those after them. And that is the children of Ismail alayhi salam, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chose from the children of Adam alayhi salam. And from the children of Ismail alayhi salam, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Allah Taala chose uh, Bani Kinana. Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala chose uh, uh, Bani Kinana, and and Bani Kinana, for your information, was from uh, Khuzaimah the tribe known as Khuzayma. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, chose uh, Bani Kinana from Khuzayma and chose from Bani Kinana the Quraysh and chose from the Quraysh Banu Hashim and chose from Banu Hashim Muhammad ibn Abdullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So this is another example of how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, creates and gives rank and precedence to parts of his creation uh, after, after others. And then let's look at the companions of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Indeed they were all companions of rasulullah sallallahu wasallam but allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as he created them he gave a special rank and status to certain parts from the companions of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam certain people from the companions of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam over other people thus he gave a special status to the earlier muslims Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave them a, a special status that He didn't give to the other companions who are not from the earlier Muslims. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about them in His book, وَالسَّابِقُونَ الْأَوَّلُونَ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about the earlier Muslims, those who accepted Islam under the most difficult of circumstances. And then Allah gives precedence to the people of Badr and uh, Bay'atul Ridwan. These two amazing events in the history of Rasulullah sallallahu which insha'Allah we will discuss throughout the course of our, uh, uh, of our study of this particular book, Zad al Ma'ad. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave those who stood on Badr and the people of Bay'atul Ridwan a status that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did not give to uh, the other companions of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa And like this, Allah created all the nations. And as you heard from the reading of our dear brother Abdul Mateen, as he went through the summarized introduction uh, of Zad, uh, Ibn Al-Qayyim rahmatullahi alayhi, mentions this, that Allah created all the nations, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created the nation of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and Allah made this nation the best of all nations. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, um, in, in 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 a hadith antum umma, antum wa akramuha ala Allah, that you are a completion to seventy nations. You are a completion to seventy nations and you are the best of the nations and you are the most honorable of the nations to Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala. Allahu Akbar. Indeed, Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala chose uh, the Ummah of Muhammad sallam yourself and myself to be the best of nations. Now brothers and sisters, in your notes, um, the hadith of Muawiyah uh, ibn, ibn Haydah uh, and this hadith uh, that I've just recited to you, in your notes, uh, or in the English translation as well, it says, مرفوع. Right? Can everybody see that in their notes? It says, مرفوع. In the copy that I have, that is page 15. Now, I want to explain that term uh, very quickly. Firstly, this hadith is in the Musnad of Imam Ahmed. In your notes, it says Al-Musnad. When you hear the term Al-Musnad, Al-Musnad, make a note of this. This refers to the hadith compilation done by Imam Ahmed, Rahmatullahi Ali Right? Yes, there were other masanid. There were other uh, compilations of hadith known as Musnad. But when we say Al Musnad by itself, then it refers to the compilation of hadith by Imam Ahmad, This is the acceptance that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave to the book of Imam Ahmad and again wallahu مَا wa yahtah Indeed, Allah chooses who He gives rank to and what He gives rank to. Allah has given rank to the uh, the book of hadith of Imam Ahmad. So uh, it says there as reported in Al-Musnad. Al-Musnad refers to the book of hadith uh, compiled by Imam Ahmed. Now, it says in marfu' form. I, I hope you found it, brothers and sisters. Uh, that's page 15. Uh, in, in, in the copy of the book that I have, and it's the first paragraph on that page, uh, just towards the end of the paragraph. It says, marfu form. What does murfur form mean? marfu form refers to um, a narration that has a chain of narrators um, that goes up to a companion. And a companion says something right uh, that this companion could not say from himself so it carries the ruling of marfu it carries the ruling of marfu meaning he must have heard it from rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam so it's as good as rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam having said it so a companion says something for example pertaining to the unknown pertaining to the unseen right uh, for example, the hadith of Ibn Abbas عنه, when he speaks about Baytul izzah the house on the first heaven, which the Qur'an was revealed to during Laylatul Qadr in one complete uh, revelation. right From beginning to end, the Qur'an was revealed on Laylatul Qadr uh, from the preserved tablet to Bayt Al-Izzah. And that is why we say, إِنَّا أَنزَلْنَاهُ فِي لَيْلَةِ Qadr. That indeed the Quran was revealed in, in in Laylatul Qadr. And we say Shahru Ramadan al-Ladi فِيهِ Quran. That the Quran was revealed in the month of Ramadan. But we know the Quran came to Rasulullah over a period of 23 years. Right? So if that was the case, then why is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saying it was revealed on the night of power? So Ibn Abbas عن, goes on to explain that it was revealed on the night of power, in one revelation to the first heaven. And from the first heaven to Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, it came down piecemeal or in stages over 23 years. Now, how would Ibn Abbas Radiallahu anhu know this? How would he know this? He wouldn't know this unless someone who had knowledge of the unseen, because of revelation, told him and the only person who had that was rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wa sallam so this is what uh, or this is from the meanings of marfu' uh, the scholars of hadith also attach marfur uh, in general to a hadith that goes back to rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wa sallam as we um, we see in this particular narration because in this particular narration it says that the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said that you are a completion to seventy nations and you are the best of these nations and you are the most honorable of these nations. So marfu refers to. A, a, a companion saying a hadith which he could not have said unless he got it from the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam and it also refers to a hadith which goes back to the prophet sallallahu wasallam and is connected to the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam and uh, if we want to have more knowledge of the different titles that go along with different narrations then uh, a science that you should uh, endeavor to study is known as usul al hadith usul al hadith or the science of hadith, or Ulum al-hadith, the science of hadith and the principles of hadith, right? And uh, this science is an intricate science, and it's also been broken down to a very simplistic science uh, for beginners uh, to learn as well. And maybe one day if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grants us um, uh, life, then we can uh, do a, uh, you know, a short version, a short study of the of Ulum al-Hadith or the principles of Hadith to help us understand the books that we read better because uh, many a times we find a book that mentions some of these terminologies uh, without explaining them because obviously the book is written for a particular audience uh, and then we become confused because we haven't understood exactly what that term means. So, inshallah, if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, gives us life, bidnillahi ta'ala. So, um, we are the best of all nations and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created uh, the nations. Now, uh, understand my dear brothers and sisters that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed the best book to the best Prophet, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And the best book is the Quran. Via the best angel, Jibreel alayhi salam. During the best night, Laylatul Qadr. During the best month, the month of Ramadan. In the best language, the Arabic language. In the best of places, al Mukarramah. Inside of the Haram, the Haram boundary. And in this best revelation, that was the best in every sense, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Kuntum khayra ummatin ukhrijat linnas. That you are the best of nations you are the best of nations allahu akbar so allah created the nations and gave a special precedence to the ummah of muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam allah revealed the books but he gave a special precedence to the quran and we discussed how Allah gave a special precedence to Jibreel alayhi salam. And how Allah gave a special precedence to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa And we will discuss insha'Allah how Allah created time and honored parts of time over other parts. And how Allah created places and honored parts of the places that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created over other places. So brothers and sisters, let's... Uh, digest the subhanAllah. You know, we are in essence doing a type of tafsir and explanation of this ayah that Ibn Al-Qayyim rahmatullahi alayh has chosen to build his introduction upon. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant him Jannah, shower upon him his mercy, and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gather us with him in Jannah as well. Ameen, ya Rabbil alameen. Brothers and sisters, before we take a break, and especially for my brothers and sisters in the da'wah, and those involved in different uh, da'wah organizations, and those involved in different da'wah projects. Uh, And as I said, it's not exclusive to you, everyone uh, with us today. Understand, brothers and sisters, that as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala titles us the best of nations, and we're proud of it, and we feel blessed, understand that all this comes with the weight of responsibility. The weight of responsibility, right? Being the best is not just, you know, inherited. You're the best because it comes with certain mandates. Right? It's not that you were born into this ummah. That by default you become the best. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in his book in the fourth juz. Kuntum khayra Ummatin ukhrijat nas." You are the best of all people. Why? Ta'muruna bil You invite towards good. Watanhauna anil munkar. And you warn against evil. Watu'minun billah. And you believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Not just a belief that doesn't come with action, but a true belief, that which is dressed with action. Is dressed with action. That is the reality, my dear brothers and sisters. That we practice this deen. We follow the teachings that we learn. We follow the sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. This is what it means when it is said, تُؤْمِنُونَ Billah." You believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And when you're weak, you acknowledge that you're weak. And you turn to Allah and ask for, for, for forgiveness. And you turn to Allah and you ask for guidance. It's not that you take it for granted and carry on in your day. Without being mindful of yourself. Without being mindful of the ideals that you ought to be upon. And you're not yet upon without being mindful you know, uh, of your distance from the ideals in the lives that we have. The ideals taught to us by Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wa sallam. The ideals taught to us in the Book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So I'll leave you, my dear brothers, uh, brothers and sisters, with these few words to uh, digest. And inshaAllah, inshaAllah, uh, we will meet at 10 minutes past 10, Makkah time, 10 minutes past 10, which is in 8 minutes time uh, to resume uh, this particular lesson, inshallah ta'ala. Hadha wallahu a'lam and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. Wa sallallahu wa sallam wa baraka ala nabiina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'i. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. الحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه ومن Assalamu السلام wa ورحمة الله وبركاته Welcome brothers and sisters to part 2 of today's uh, session. I hope you um, had a good short break and pondered over uh, that which was shared prior. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, make us from the best. Uh, nothing said brothers and sisters is said uh, in a way to make us feel uh, dysfunctional, to make us feel um you know um, depressed or overly sad absolutely not it's it's being said um in the spirit of uh being um, you know people of progress uh that's really why um I shared what I shared and I'm sharing. Uh, what I am sharing, and obviously, Alhamdulillah, this is a class, and um, it's the perfect platform uh, to discuss certain things. So, don't be sad about anything; rather, uh, use it as um, a focal point, a, a point of taking heed and and progressing. So, uh, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala created the nations, and Allah Subhanahu wa Taala uh, made. Uh, the nation of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam the best of all nations. In fact, if we look in the Sunnah, we see that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said uh, in, in, in uh, a hadith that is found in the Sunan books of hadith, meaning uh, books, uh, the books of hadith uh, outside of the scope of uh, the, the hadith book compiled by Imam al-Bukhari rahmatullahi alayhi and uh, the hadith book compiled by Imam Muslim uh, rahmatullahi. So uh, when a person says the Sunan books of Hadith, uh, then uh, in most cases they are referring to Sunan At-Tirmidhi, uh, Sunan uh, An-Nasa'i, and Sunan uh, Ibn Majah. Right. Uh, So in most cases these are uh, the books that are being uh, referred to. Uh, So just in case I say the word Sunan, Um, without explanation, you know what I'm referring to. And if I'm referring to uh, a hadith that's found either in Sahih al-Bukhari or Sahih Muslim, then uh, uh, at times you'll hear me say Sahih. So if I say in a hadith mentioned in the Sahih, then this refers to a hadith that is found in Sahih al-Bukhari and uh, Sahih Muslim. But if I say uh, that this is a hadith, found in the Sunan, then I'm referring to a Hadith found in the Sunan books of Hadith, uh, some of the books that I cited, um, books that are not Sahih al-Bukhari and Sahih Muslim. So I hope uh, we've taken note of that. So we find in the Sunan books of Hadith and, and in Sunan al-Tirmidhi especially, Rasulullah sallam is reported to have said, أَهْلُ الْجَنَّةِ عِشْرُونَ صَفْ ثَمَانُونَ منها مِنْ هَذِهِ الْأُمَّةِ وَأَرْبَعُونَ مِنْ سائر الأمة. Rasulullah says that the people of Jannah will be 120 rows. The people of Jannah will be 120 rows. 80 of these rows will be the Ummah of Muhammad And 40 of these rows will be the other nations, or will have people from the other nations. So uh, 80 of these rows will have people from the Ummah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Once again, Jannah has 120 rows. 80 of these rows will have the people from the Ummah of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The followers of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And 40 rows will have the followers uh, of the other Anbiya alayhimu sallatu wasallam. So... Uh, this is another um, hadith which teaches us how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has really given a special rank to the Ummah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. In another uh, narration, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, and, and, and this uh, narration is a, is is part of a longer narration found in Sahih Muslim. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, uh, وَالَّذِي نَفْسِي بِيَدِهِ إِنِّي لَأَطْمَعُ أَن تَكُونُ شَطْرَ أهل, uh, أَهْلِ الْجَنَّةِ He says, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, that by the one uh, in whose hands my life is in, I have uh, a great wish and desire for you all to be Shatra Ahlil Jannah, half of the people of Jannah half of the people of Jannah. Now, some people have discussed these two narrations and this is another footnote for you all. Uh, given uh, the reality of this class and given that Ibn al-Qayyim rahmatullahi alayhi, in, in, in the uh, original version he did uh, speak about this. Uh, he spoke about some of the scholars um, and their opinions regarding these two hadiths because one hadith says that we will be 80 lines and the other hadith says that I wish for you to be half of, of Jannah. So, is there a contradiction between the narrations and uh, the answer to that question is absolutely not. There is no uh, contradiction, one hadith doesn't uh, oppose uh, the other one hadith doesn't oppose the other rather one hadith uh, is discussing the statement of the rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam and discussing uh, his desire that we have or that we make up half of the people of jannah and the other hadith is teaching us that allah informed him informed his prophet sallallahu alaihi that uh, yes you know you desire half but allah will make 80, Allahu Akbar, will make 80 rows for you, which uh, is definitely um, uh, more than that which Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam desired. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chooses and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has chosen this ummah. And as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chooses, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created the different lands on earth. And whilst the makeup of the lands are the same, Allah subhanahu wa taala gave a special rank, a special honour, and a special precedence to some parts of the globe over other parts of the globe. Thus, Allah subhanahu wa taala gave uh, the the sacred lands, the sacred lands, um, a special status over uh, the rest of uh, the lands, and Allah subhanahu wa taala gave uh, Makkah um, a special precedence and a special rank over. The rest of the lands, and Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala chose the Haramain, the sacred lands, to be the place for His Prophet, His best Prophet, His most beloved Prophet, Muhammad Sallallahu wa Wasallam. He was born in Mecca and he passed away uh, in uh, Medina. And Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala chose Mecca to be the place for the pilgrimage, the fifth pillar of Islam, and He chose uh, Mecca to be the place that His Kaaba will be established in. Uh, so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chooses and gives a special precedence and rank. And thus we see until the day of Qiyamah, uh, people are going and will be going, visiting Mecca, intending Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Intending Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There's no other place on earth that you can go to intending Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the way that you would travel intending Allah when you go to Mecca. So indeed Allah gave that land a special rank. And look at the, the nature, of the land of Mecca in comparison to the streams and gardens and mountains of other parts of the world. Mecca was a valley, a barren valley, and note that I am saying valley, we're not talking about flat land, we're not talking about, you know, Um high land, we're talking about low land in in, in terms of its its lying. It was a valley in the middle of nowhere and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chooses this is a sign of the completeness of the lordship of Allah. That subhanAllah only Allah can choose. Nobody had a say in it. If you and I were discussing, you know, a place to choose for us to establish something, would we say let's do it in the middle of the empty quarter? And even if I said that I would have opposition from someone, and I would have uh, opposition from another, and so on and so forth, here Allah chose and no one had a say in the matter. Not the angels, not Jibreel salam, the mighty angel, not the angels looking over Jahannam, which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has cited as, as fierce angels. No one from the prophets of Allah, no one had a say in the matter. Allah decided to give a valley with nothing in it. Precedence and precedence was given. And look how we all flock to Mecca today and love to flock to Mecca today. And when we leave Mecca, we miss Mecca. Allahu Akbar. Indeed, Allah chooses and gives precedence and gives rank and gives status to that which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chooses. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Uh, um, Uh, chose Mecca to be a land that will be visited by people who will come from all parts of the globe, whether they come riding, whether they come walking, whether they come on plane, whether they come by car, whether they have to come over mountains, whether they have to travel over the waters. Subhanallah, who travels from all over the globe to one place? This is another sign how Allah has chosen Mecca. And uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, indeed, uh, as we said, chose Mecca to be the place of the pilgrimage. And we find in the sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam uh, teaching us, or, or a narration teaching us that when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala um, uh, decreed that the Kaaba become complete and Ibrahim fulfilled that which was upon him, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commanded him to announce the Hajj. To announce the Hajj. And Ibrahim said, but who will hear me ya Allah? And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said to him, you announce the hajj, and we will convey the message. Allahu Akbar. You do the calling, we will convey the message. And by Allah, how many thousands of years after Ibrahim alayhi salam, do you and I uh, exist on earth? And know of the calling of Ibrahim alayhi salam. Indeed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has conveyed to us this message. By Allah this should increase our Iman. So talking about you know Mecca and talking about Masjidul Haram and talking about the Haram and how this is, 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 is the chosen land, then we we further understand that it is the chosen land because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has decreed that no one enters this land except in a humble form, except in a fearful form, except with humility, except in a form where their heads are uncovered, except in a form where they are free from sewn clothing. And this is the reality of a pilgrim who enters Makkah. We, a pilgrim enters Makkah with such humility, with such humbleness, irrespective of financial standing, irrespective of material well-being, irrespective of position on the globe, you can be uh, the most respected king on earth. But when you enter that land, by the command of the king of kings and the lord of the worlds, you enter with with your hair uncovered, you enter in ihram, free from sewn clothes, simple cloths, two white cloths, an upper garment and a lower garment, and you enter Makkah for the purpose of Umrah. That's how you enter Mecca al-Mukarramah. This is another sign how Allah has chosen that valley which was barren once upon a time, without a Kaaba, without Zamzam, Subhana Rabbi al-A'la chose it, Chose it, and and then look at the mountains. How many mountains Allah has created? But Allah has given a special precedence to Safa and Marwa. Allah Akbar. Inna Safa wal Marwata min Sha'irillah. Allah has said that these two mountains are from the signs of Allah. The signs of Allah existing. The signs of Allah being one. The signs of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala being the only one worthy of worship. The signs of Allah being one in His names and His attributes. Allah says that these two mountains are from the signs of Allah. By Allah, how many people run between these mountains? By Allah, how many people climb these mountains? And you know, they talk about Everest, we talk about Safa, we talk about Marwa, it's in the Qur'an, Allah has chosen these mountains, Allah has given it a special rank, a special place, and Allah has chosen mountains that are inside the Haram, inside the Haram boundary, further teaching us how Allah has chosen the Haram to be a sacred land, to be a blessed land, and to have a rank far above the other uh, lands. Uh, The the Haram is a place that hunting is not allowed in. And we know this, no one is allowed to pluck from its leaves, and to cut its trees, and nobody is allowed to hunt in it. And nobody is even allowed to pick up lost property for the sake of taking ownership of that lost property. The only time you are allowed to pick up that lost property is if you are going to live look for the person who lost it. Or if you are going to announce that there is lost property, can someone come claim it? But no one is allowed to pick up anything, no matter how small it is, and put it in their pocket and walk off with it for the sake of acquisition, or with the intention of acquisition and taking ownership. This is not allowed. Allah has chosen this for the haram. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, has made the one who intends Mecca, A person who will be forgiven, Allahu Akbar. Allah made Makkah a means for forgiveness for the person who intends it. Which other place on the globe enjoys this particular precedence, and this particular rank, and this particular honor, even with its dreams? and mountains and greenery and lakes and rivers that flow and, and 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 you know it looks so beautiful with all that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chose the valley in Mecca indeed Allah chooses to be the place that whoever intends it then that place will be a means of their sins being removed it was Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam who taught us by in the hadith narrated by Abu Hurairah radiAllahu anhu and this hadith is in Sahih al-Bukhari and in Sahih Muslim there are no doubts regarding its authenticity Man hadha falam yarfuth, walam yafsuq, raj'a that the one who intends this house, meaning the Kaaba, the one who intends it and visits it, and this person is not vulgar or immoral, both in his speech and his action and ways, then he will return back home the same way he found himself the day his mother gave birth to him. Allahu Akbar, may Allah forgive our sins, ameen. And Rasulullah ﷺ said in the hadith of Ibn Mas'ud radiyallahu An, and this hadith is found in the Sunan, uh, books of hadith such as At-Tirmidhi, he says, صلى الله عليه وسلم, بين الحج والعمر فإنهما ينفيان الفقر والذنوب كما ينفي الكير خبث الحديد والذهب والفضة وليس للحجة المبرورة الثواب دون الجنة. Allahu Akbar. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said that um, uh, you know uh, follow up between the Hajjas that you do and the umrahs that you do, for indeed the Hajj and the Umrah are a means of removing poverty from your life, and a means of removing sins from your life, just like the bellow that the the, 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 the blacksmith uh, uses to remove the impurities, right? The impurities from steel, and from gold, and from silver. Al-kir refers to a ballow. And, and, and sometimes we have uh, uh, ballows in our homes, you know, the handmade ballows uh, that we, we squeeze and air pops out of it. And as air pops out of it, it blows the impurities uh, away. So Rasulullah wasallam says that just as uh, the impurities are blown away when you squeeze uh, the, the the ballo, uh, then that is what Hajj and Umrah does to our sins. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgive us. And uh, uh, the hadith goes on to teach us, وَلَيْسَ لِلْحَجَّةِ الْمَبْرُورَةِ uh, ثَوَابٌ دُونَ الْجَنَّةِ And there is no reward for an accepted Hajj besides Jannah there is no reward for an accepted hajj besides jannah and then rasulullah sallallahu wasallam also said in a hadith narrated by abu Hurairah radiyallahu an and this hadith is in sahih al-bukhari and in sahih al-muslim uh, sahih muslim he says sallallahu alaihi wasallam al-umratu ila al-umra kafaratun lima baynahuma wal hajj laysa lahu illa al-jannah that between the two umras is a means of expiation for our sins. So the sins between one Umrah and the next becomes expiated because of the Umrahs that we do. And uh, he goes on to say Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam that there's no reward for an accepted Hajj, a Hajj which is Mabroor, except uh, Jannah. Now, just as a footnote, brothers and sisters, Whenever we uh, come across uh, narrations of the Prophet ﷺ, which say, "Whoever does this, then their sins will be forgiven." Whoever fasts the day of Arafah, then two years of sins will be forgiven. Whoever fasts Ashura, then one year uh, one year's sins will be forgiven, uh, and who and, and who you know, whoever follows up with umrahs, then the sins between the umrahs will be forgiven, and so on and so forth. Our scholars, rahmatullahi alaihim, teach us that when we come across these ahadith, then the general rule of thumb is that these ahadith refer to the minor sins being forgiven. The minor sins being forgiven, not the major sins unless specified. Why? Because for the major sins to be forgiven, we have to engage in a practice known as a tawbah We have to engage in a practice known as a tawbah Tawbah and seeking repentance. Tawbah and seeking repentance is uh, the means of Uh, You know, attaining expiation for the major sins. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us from the major sins and the minor sins, and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgive all our sins. Ameen. So, this is a general rule of thumb. But the point to note is that. Uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chose Mecca and made Mecca a means of a person's sins becoming expiated if they intend Mecca for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And brothers and sisters, despite all the lands, despite all the wonderful places on earth, despite all the countries, despite all the places and the beauties uh, you know that we witness uh, around us, the, the beauty that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala takes an oath by Mecca, And Allah says, Balad الْبَلَدْ الْأَمِينَ As we see in Surah al Ayah number no. 3, this is Allah taking an oath by Al-Balad al amin meaning Mecca. And Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala, in Surah Al-Balad, in the first Ayah, Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala says, لَا أُقْسِمُ بِهَاذَا الْبَلَدْ Allah takes a qasam by Mecca. Allahu Akbar. Right? So despite all the beautiful... Creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we witness all over the world, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala takes a qasam by Makkah. Indeed, Allah chooses. And indeed, Allah creates. And indeed, Allah chooses the rank that He will give to parts of His creation. And nobody has a say in the matter. And to further understand um, how important Makkah is, then take note of the fact that there's no place on the face of this earth. There's no place on the face of this earth that it is compulsory to travel to for those who are able, besides Mecca. Think about it. Hajj is the fifth pillar of Islam. Right? And if one is able, they have to go for Hajj. To perform Hajj, you have to go to Mecca. And the majority of the scholars view Umrah as compulsory as well view Umrah as compulsory as well. And to perform Umrah, you have to go to Mecca, Right? And then brothers and sisters, to understand again how Allah has chosen Mecca, then understand that subhanallah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created Mecca, And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created the stones, the different stones. And Allah gave a special rank and precedence to one stone over the other stones. And that stone is known as the Hajar. Al-Aswad, the Hajar Al-Aswad, Allahu Akbar. Allah gave it a special rank and a special status and taught his Prophet Sallallahu Wasallam to kiss it. And the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam kissed it. And the companions kissed it. And the Ummah of Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi tries to kiss it. Imagine a stone, my dear brothers and sisters. I want you to understand this ayah that Ibn Al-Qayyim is building his introduction to this amazing book upon. Allahu Akbar. That you know when we, when Allah says that Allah creates and chooses what He creates, understand the reality of what Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala is saying. This stone, Subhanahu Wa Taala, that was almost a means of the Quraysh falling into a mighty battle, because we know when they rebuilt the Kaaba, they were fighting between themselves, or you know they were quarrelling and arguing, and it almost went into bloodshed. Swords were almost drawn regarding who should put the stone in its place. Allahu Akbar, a stone, indeed Allah has given rank and given an honor to the stone. It is the only stone that people want to kiss, and love to kiss, and try to kiss. Think about it, brothers and sisters. And as Umar ibn Khattab said, that, Wallahi, you are just a stone. And if I didn't see Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam kissing you, I wouldn't have kissed you. Brothers and sisters, which stone is a means of our sins being removed as well. And the reason why... It's being highlighted is because Ibn al-Qayyim rahmatullahi has highlighted it in his main book. He speaks about the Hajar al-Aswad and how Allah has given it a rank over the other stones and made it a means for our sins to be removed. For the person who kisses it, their sins are removed. And we taught in the sunnah that the stone came white from Jannah. And because of the sins of the people, it became darkened and it became uh, black. Now we don't have time to go into the reality of the Hajar al Aswad. Now that is a discussion for another day. But take note of the essence. The essence of this stone having a precedence over uh, uh, the, the you know over the the the, uh, the other uh, stones. Then when we talk about Makkah and how special it is, understand that there's no place on earth that if you offer salah in it, your salah or the rewards are, you will be rewarded with one hundred thousand salah. La ilaha illallah. Wallahi, it's, it's exhausting speaking about this, not because it's tiring, but because it's exciting. Wallahi, I'm running out of breath speaking about this, and Wallahi, I feel the need to go to Makkah. May Allah take us to Makkah. May Allah take us to Makkah, and may Allah continuously take us to Makkah. آمين Ya رب Alameen. And for those who haven't gone to Makkah, then may Allah take you to Makkah sooner rather than later. Which other place on earth, brothers and sisters? Which other place is there where you can offer a salah and Allah gives you the reward of 100,000 salah in uh, the musnad of Imam Ahmad and in Sunan An-Nasa'i? Rasulullah sallallahu is reported to have said, in the hadith of Abdullah ibn Zubair, صلاة فِي مَسْجِدِ هَذَا أَفْضَلُ مِنْ أَلْفِ صَلَاتٍ فِي سِوَاهُ إِلَّا الْمَسْجِدَ الْحَرَامِ وَصَلَاتٌ فِي الْمَسْجِدِ الْحَرَامِ أَفْضَلُ مِنْ صَلَاتٍ فِي مَسْجِدِ هَذَا بِمِئَةِ Allahu Akbar. So Rasulullah sallam is teaching, that, teaching us that the salah in his masjid, Right? Is better than the salah in any other masjid besides Masjid al Haram. Why? Because in his masjid you get 100, you get a thousand, you get the reward of a thousand salah for every salah prayed. And if, uh, and then Rasulullah says, besides Masjid al Haram, because in Masjid al Haram you will get the reward of 100,000 salah for every salah prayed. Allahu Akbar. Right? So this further exacerbates our understanding of how mighty Mecca is and how mighty the sacred lands are over uh, the rest of the lands and we know that when rasulullah sallallahu alayhi was kicked out uh, of mecca by his people uh, rasulullah sallallahu alayhi was said wallahi innaki la khayru ardillah wa ahabb ardillah ila allah walaw la anni akhrijtu mink ma kharajtu he said sallallahu alayhi wasallam that uh, when he left Mecca, or it is reported that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa said when he left Mecca that by Allah, indeed you are the, 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 the best of the lands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And you are the most beloved of Allah's lands to Allah. And if it wasn't that I was kicked out uh, by your people, i would not have left this is what rasulullah sallallahu wasallam, uh, said about makkah and with that rasulullah sallallahu passed away in medina which again should further exacerbate to us the reality of the of the the sacred lands makkah and medina and the lands of of sham one of the special uh, you know attributes of makkah which further teaches us how special makkah is over the rest of the lands and and yes you know makkah is special medina is special sham is special but No doubt the most special of the special is Mecca. And with this we can say that Allah created the lands, and He He gave a special precedence to the sacred lands over the rest of the lands, Mecca and Medina and Sham, right? Uh, And uh, as Allah gave a special rank to these three places, Allah gave a a special rank. To Mecca and Medina. And as Allah gave a special rank to Mecca and Medina, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave us even greater rank to Mecca. Right? So that's why we're focusing on Mecca here. And Ibn al-Qayyim goes on to mention many attributes of Mecca. And from the attributes that he mentions, Rahmatullahi alayhi, is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made Mecca the qibla of the Muslims. Allahu akbar. He made Mecca the qibla of the Muslims. He made this, ba- this valley. This valley. Right? This difficult valley. The qibla of the Muslims. That every Muslim until the day of Qiyamah will face it and pray salah facing it. Allahu Akbar. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made Mecca the qibla of the Muslims. And again, in terms of Mecca and how uh, magnanimous Mecca is, we learn from the sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that Allah has prevented us from even relieving ourselves. May Allah honor you all even using the lavatory whilst facing Mecca. Whilst facing Mecca or whilst our backs face Mecca, right? And according to Ibn al-Qayyim, rahimahullah, the correct opinion in this particular uh, ruling, in this particular uh, um, uh, discussion is that even if the lavatory is in a building, the lavatory should not face Mecca, nor should the, the back of the lavatory face Makkah, so that a person who relieves himself, may Allah honor you all, does not face Makkah whilst relieving oneself. Ibn al-Qayyim is of the view that this applies even to the lavatories in one's building. Allahu Akbar. So the fact that even on an etiquette level, on, on, on the level of, of mannerisms and adab, we find uh, you know uh, etiquettes pertaining to makkah again this teaches us the rank of makkah uh, as opposed to the ranks that the other lands that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, creates uh, hold when we look at makkah brothers and sisters to further make us understand how amazing makkah is then understand that the first masjid to be built on earth, to be established on earth, was Masjidul Haram. Was Masjidul Haram, and uh, Masjidul Haram is in Mecca, right? And we, we learn this um, from a narration both in Sahih Al Bukhari and in Sahih Muslim in the Hadith of Abi Dharr an, He says, "Sawal tu Rasulullah wasallam." And Awali Masjid in Wuldi Afil Ardifaqala al Masjidul Haram. So in the hadith of Abidar he says he asked Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He said, O Prophet of Allah, you know, which was the first masjid on earth? And Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Al Masjidul Haram, the masjid of the Ka'aba, Masjidul Haram. He says, Then I said, Then which masjid? Which masjid came after Masjid al-Haram in terms of establishment on earth? And he wasallam, said Masjid al-Aqsa, and that is in uh, Palestine, in Jerusalem. Masjid al-Aqsa. Um, and then he asked, and how many years did the world witness between Masjid al-Haram and Masjid al-Aqsa? and rasulullah sallallahu said 40 years 40 years so there was 40 years between the building of masjid al haram and, um, and, and 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 masjid al aqsa now uh, some some who, who uh, some have raised concern uh, about this particular narration because uh, some have understood that the person who built masjid al aqsa was uh, prophet sulaiman was prophet sulaiman Nahm. Yes. So uh, some have, have, have said that, um, you know, have, have queried the hadith because uh, they took the understanding that uh, the person who, who built um, Masjid al Aqsa uh, was Sulaiman alayhi salam. Was Sulaiman alayhi salam. Prophet Sulaiman. And the reality is, brothers and sisters, uh, is that Sulaiman alayhi uh, salam. He renovated Al-Aqsa. He renovated Al-Aqsa. He didn't establish Al-Aqsa. The correct opinion, and Allah knows best, and this has been mentioned by Ibn al-Qayyim, rahimahullah, is that the person who established Masjid, uh, Masjid Al-Aqsa is Ya'qub ibn Ishaq. Right? Sallallahu Alaihi ma. So, we know that Ya'qub ibn Ishaq, he was the father of Yusuf alayhi salam. And we know that the one who established or raised the Kaaba uh, was, uh, was Ibrahim السلام, And uh, Yaqub is from the grandchildren of Ibrahim So based on this, this hadith is authentic, as we've established number one, and this hadith uh, is correct. This hadith is correct in terms of its instruction. Sometimes the hadith can be authentic in terms of the, uh, the chain of narrators. The people who narrated the hadith. But sometimes, the meaning of the hadith could be awkward. So, is this meaning awkward? And the answer is no, it's not awkward. Uh, because um, Ya'aqub ibn Ishaq is the grandson of Ibrahim. And Ibrahim raised the Ka'aba And uh, Ya'aqub ibn Ishaq established Masjid Al-Aqsa. And Rasulullah s.a.w. said between the two masjids was 40 years. Was 40 years. Now, obviously, uh, you know, it can be understood, it's, it's understandable. If we say that Sulaiman was the one who built Masjidul Aqsa, then it can be understandable why some people will, will query uh, the hadith of Abu Dhar, uh, which says that there was 40 years between, um, uh, you know, the, the, the two masjids. Because there, obviously, there was uh, a thousand years or more. Right between uh, Ibrahim عليه and uh, Sulayman عليه السلام. there was a thousand year, years or more between Ibrahim عليه and Sulayman عليه السلام. So. Um, if this is the case, how can there only be 40 years between the two masajid? Now this is just a footnote for you all to take note of. In case one day uh, you do hear this query, in case somebody says that Sulaiman salam <coughs> built, uh, built Masjid al-Aqsa, we would say in this particular circumstance that no, he didn't build it, he renovated it. Rather the building was done by Ya'qub ibn Ishaq, who was the grandson of Ibrahim salam, <coughs> and he built it 40 years after Ibrahim salam, <coughs> uh, or after Masjid al-Haram, was established on earth and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, knows best. Um, also, from the matters, of brothers and sisters, that teach us uh, how special Mecca is, is the fact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, termed, uh, you know, Mecca Ummul Qura, the mother, the mother of all places. It holds the title, the mother of all places, right? And, uh, you know, it's, it's well understood in language when we say this is the mother of all things we mean it's the best of all things it's the most important of all things and allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in, 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 in his book uh, titling Mecca as as um al qura uh, so, Makkah is Ummul Qura, and this is another uh, evidence to the fact that Makkah is the best of all places. Another issue and aspect, brothers and sisters, that further teaches us how important Makkah is, and how Makkah uh, uh, is um, more special than all the other lands, and how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given Makkah uh, a special precedence over all the other lands, is the fact that, when we enter Mecca, we need to enter with ihram. Right? In a, in a sacred state. Right? Um, and this is the view of some of the scholars. Right? That you cannot enter Mecca except with ihram. Except with ihram. And what's clear in the Hanafi madhab uh, is that this is the ruling, even for the for the one who enters Mecca regularly, continuously, unless they are people who uh, have a home um, after the miqat, right? So if they have a home after the miqat, then this is uh, uh, sorry, uh, except for a person who uh, is 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 living in Mecca, right? And 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 exits regularly, then for them they can come back without ihram, but. Uh, For anyone coming into the Miqat intending Mecca, then they have to enter in Ihram, right? So the fact that we have this fiqh ruling and the scholars have taken this understanding, I'm not going to go into the difference of opinion and go into the evidences um, uh, because it is quite a long discussion, uh, but no doubt even the scholars who say that you don't have to enter Mecca with Ihram, they say it's better to. Right. So even if you go, for example, and you, and you pass Ta'if, for example, and you head back to Mecca, then even the scholars who say you don't, you know, have to enter Mecca in Ihram, they say it's better for you to enter Mecca in Ihram. And as I've said, um, several of the scholars have said that for a person to enter Mecca, they must enter Mecca in the state of Ihram. Right in the sacred state, and go and perform an umrah. So based on this discussion, this fiqh discussion, we can say this further adds uh, knowledge to our understanding of how uh, Mecca is, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. Now, also from uh, the matters that teach us why Mecca is important, yet another matter mentioned by Ibn al-Qayyim rahmatullahi alayhi, is the fact that whoever intends to do sin, Now pay attention, brothers and sisters. Whoever intends to do sin in Mecca, then they will be held accountable. Normally, if you intend to do sin, and you don't do the sin, you're not held accountable. In fact, if you intend to do a sin, and you do not do the sin, Allah will reward you. This is from the mercy of Allah. And if you do the sin, Allah will only give you one sin. Right And with regards to our rewards, Allah will multiply our rewards based on the the strength of our intention. That's the norm. But in Mecca, if you intend to do haram, then you will be taken to account. And Ibn al-Qayyim uses as evidence the ayah in Surah hajj ayah number 25, in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, bi that whoever inclines towards evil, intends evil, then they will be made to taste a severe punishment. May Allah subhanahu wa taala forgive us and protect us. So the fact that uh, you know Mecca uh, has this special um, ruling, as cited by Ibn al-Qayyim rahmatullahi alayhi, further teaches us. Further teaches us that. Uh, Makkah is indeed a special place and a chosen place, and Allah has given it a special precedence over all other places on earth. Uh, Lastly, brothers and sisters, inshallah, we'll stop here. Uh, Lastly, another uh, important point to teach us uh, about the importance of the sacred lands and how Allah chooses His sacred lands, is the fact that uh, a person who does good in the sacred lands, then their uh, rewards are multiplied both in quality and quantity over the other lands. Right? However, uh, if they do sin, then the quantity of the sin will not be multiplied, but because the sin was done in the holy lands, then the severity of the sin will be increased. So a sin done outside of Mecca or outside of the, 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 the sacred lands, it has it carries its weight. But when that sin is done in the sacred lands, it carries a heavier weight. So our scholars, rahmatullahi alayhim, teach us that Allah will not increase the quantity of the sin. Allah is just. But the weight of the sin and severity of the sin will be increased given the land that you're in, teaching us that Mecca and the sacred lands have a special rank, a special precedence, and a special place over all other lands. Brothers and sisters, Allah has blessed us. Uh, to share a lot in terms of our discussion uh, with this ayah. May Allah shower his mercy upon Imam Ibn Qayyim rahmatullahi alayh, uh, for sharing with us several insights uh, and really, really uh, making clear to us you know, his reasons for building his... Uh, introduction upon the ayah, wallahu yasha wa That indeed Allah Subhanahu wa Taala uh, creates what He wills and gives a special rank and precedence to that which He wills. Subhanahu wa Taala, "Ma kana lahum No one had a choice or say in the matter. Uh, so uh, we 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 are grateful to Allah for inspiring Ibn Al Qayyim, uh, for you know, uh, writing this book and sharing with us uh, many of those insights that help us understand this ayah. Uh, I don't think you will ever ever read this ayah in the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the, you know, in the same way that you have been reading it currently, or have been reading it previously. Whenever you come across this ayah, um, you're going res- you know, to respect the ayah in a greater way, because the understanding of the ayah has increased, Uh, in a greater way, that as you've understood that Allah creates, you're going to ponder over what He's created. And as you've understood that Allah has indeed raised in rank certain parts over others, you're going to ponder over this particular reality taught to us by uh, this particular ayah. Inshallah, brothers and sisters, when we come back uh, next week, we will continue uh, with this particular uh, introduction, inshallah, and then move on, if Allah blesses us with with more time, move on to uh, the first portion of the book, uh, that uh, Imam Muhammad Ibn Abdul Wahhab, rahmatullahi alayhi, uh, has summarized from the book Zad al Maad provisions for the hereafter. So we still have a little bit to discuss surrounding this introduction because, uh, as I promised you, I want to talk to you about uh, time and how Allah Subhanahu wa Taala has created time. And even though all of time is made up of seconds and minutes and hours and days and weeks and months and years uh, we will uh, inshallah see how allah has raised certain portions of time in rank and precedence and honor over other portions هذا والله اعلم وصلى الله وسلم وبارك على نبينا محمد وعلى اله وصحبه اجمعين indeed everything correct is from allah and he is perfect and any mistakes are from myself and shaytan and i seek allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's forgiveness سُبْحَانَ اللَّهِ وَبِحَمْدِهِ سُبْحَانَكَ اللَّهُمَّ وَبِحَمْدِكَ نَشْهَدُ أَنْ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا أَنْتِ نَسْتَغْفِرُكَ وَنَتُوبُ إِلَيْكَ